This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to the Voice of the Shepherd with His Excellency Archbishop Alexander Sample. And as we begin a new year, we're recording new shows for 2024, Archbishop. And we thought every once in a while we've shaken things up a little bit, bring a guest into the studio. (laughs) And so I thought we'd start a new year with bringing in one of our seminarians, talk a little bit about, as I'm talking with seminarian Zach, about the priesthood. And mm-hmm. really, what does it mean to be a priest as he is discerning and really studying uh, this year at Menlo Park at our seminary there at St. Patrick's? So as we get started talking about how God calls us and we live out that call uh, in our vocation, would you open us in prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Fathers, we begin this new year. We ask you to help us to follow you ever more closely in the year ahead to truly discern what it is you are asking of us in life, whether that is in the larger questions of our vocational call or the day-to-day decisions and choices that we have to make. Help us to always be following you in everything. We ask you to send out the Holy Spirit upon all of our listeners to open their minds and their hearts to what you want them to hear today, Lord, as we place this radio time into your hands, asking you to lead it and guide it. All this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray, Pray for, for us who have recourse to thee. thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, in studio with us is one of our seminarians, Zach Munoz. Yep, you got it right. Perfect. I'm going to say it once, and that's it. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. <laughs> and we're just grateful to be able to have uh, this seminarian with us, Archbishop. And I want to just open, as we hear a little bit about his not only coming into the Catholic Church, but then discerning a call to the priesthood. As the shepherd, and we've talked so much about the spiritual fatherhood, but I think it's so important for us to hear the call to the fatherhood, Mm. the call to really be a priest and to lead and to shepherd my people. You know, I think about uh, Jesus talking to Peter, feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a real role and a responsibility that Jesus has given our priests, and you have that special role as our archbishop and also as these young men are responding mm-hmm. to that call to be a father. Share with us a you little know, I, bit. I, yeah, your... thank you, Dina Marie. I think that, you know, my my sort of deeper appreciation uh, and really quite honest, quite honestly, a, a deepening understanding of, of the how critical the spiritual fatherhood is for the priest is this is kind of awakening, <laughs> quite honestly, more and more in my own life. I mean, yes, I mean, ever since I've been a seminarian, you know that one day you're going to be called father. And, uh, yeah, you know that you're called to be a, a spiritual father. In fact, sometimes when, when we study about 
the call to celibate chastity as a priest, you know, we talk about that. That's that. Yeah, you're still a father. You're just you're 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 exercising that that fatherhood in a, in a spiritual way toward your 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 beloved sons and daughters. But it, but it it hasn't really taken on the depth of meaning that it has for me, quite honestly, except in the last few years. It's it's there's been a sort of a, a awakening in myself of, of a deeper appreciation for the spiritual fatherhood that I'm called to exercise, uh, you know, here in the Archdiocese of Portland with regard to all of the people, but in a special way toward my priests and toward my, what I, I like to call as my beloved seminarian sons. I really do consider these men uh, to be spiritual sons to me. Now, you know, they all have their own fathers, and quite honestly, maybe they have their own experiences of fatherhood growing up. Uh, but nevertheless, whether that experience was good or bad, uh, I'm called to be a spiritual father to them and to, and to sort of father them into the priesthood because we're all called to to reflect the love of, of God the Father for for his people. You know, and, and, and it took me, again, a little while to wrap my head fully around that because, you know, I was always saw myself as a priest configured to Jesus Christ, the eternal high priest, the eternal son of God. We are, through holy orders, through the laying on of hands, sacramentally configured to Christ, and so, the, again, the spiritual fatherhood piece was sort of, yeah, it's there, but not as in, in prominent for me until really it, it dawned on me, you know, when Philip asked Jesus, that the, Jesus is talking about his father, and then Philip pipes up and he says, oh, you know, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus responds, well, Philip, have I been with you this long and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. And that was a real kind of a one of those aha moments for me that okay yes I am sacramentally configured to Christ in my priesthood but Jesus came to reveal to us the love of the father mm-hmm. so if we want to know what the father's love is like we look to what is the love of Jesus like and so for me again it's been it's been that great awakening and that's why I try to we're talking more and more about this, and I think I hope Zach would would would, would uh, confirm this that we are talking a lot more, even among the seminarians, about you know this this idea of growing into at some point spiritual fatherhood. Yeah, well, let's hear from seminarian Zach. I've been just in, I've just been enjoying our conversation. Well, off he's the got air. quite a story. <laughs> he's got quite the story. You're going to have to go onto the Archdiocesan <clears throat> website to get a little bit more. But Zach, give us a little sense of just how you came to know about the priesthood, because you have quite a travel from really coming mm-hmm. into, one, the Catholic Church, and then discerning a call to the priesthood. What's been that revelation of what the priesthood means to you? Yeah, I think um, the clearest example of the priesthood came about before I had become Catholic, which I think had instilled in me my own priestly vocation. I had this moment of terror before I became Catholic of, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? Am I supposed to enter the church? And finally resting in this realization that the Eucharist truly is the body, blood, and soul divinity of Jesus Christ, and I have to become Catholic. And so I marched up to Father John Boyle, and I said, Father, you need to take me into that church right now and confirm me. And I shared with him my fears and my my, my concerns about not being yet Catholic and not yet receiving the sacramental graces of the Eucharist and of confession. And he said to me, Trust me, my son, because I am your father and mm. I love you. And uh, in my own father wound with, with my father, uh, this was quite a mm, profound moment of healing, of, of really accepting my pastor as a father, not just in title, not just saying, oh, hey, father, in a jokey way or in a 
you know, a, an honorific way. You you happen to be upon the altar, Father, but in a true sense, no, this is my Father, mm-hmm. and that means something. And so shortly after my own entrance into the church, Father Boyle said, Zach, have you ever considered the priesthood? And uh, I was quite an aggressive convert. And I said, listen here, Father, I have no intention of becoming a priest. I want to be a husband and a father, and your celibate life offers nothing of that to me. Mm. And he said, okay, I was just asking. (laughs) And uh, over the next couple months, I noticed that the priesthood kept coming up in my prayers and my conversations and my spiritual reading. And I thought, great, the Lord wants me to pray for my priests which was good. <laughs> and over time, I did that. And, and one day in prayer, it was one evening, the, the, the direction of this prayer for priests was oriented towards me. And I so strongly said, Lord, I will not do this. And I felt so overwhelmed of conviction of disobeying God that I found a priest that night to hear my confession. And I thought, if I'm going to confession about this, I need to look into this. And so I went back to Father Boyle and I said, Father, I think this uh, this whole priesthood thing might have something to do with me. And he said, great, the archbishop's having a discernment retreat this weekend. You should go. And I thought, great, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and so I went and it was a phenomenal two-day retreat with the archbishop and with men who were discerning the priesthood. And I I remember the archbishop saying, men, if you feel unworthy, good, because we are all unworthy. And it was this, it it was a really consoling time. And I left that two days thinking, good for those guys. They're going to make great priests, but not for (laughs) me. And, but the priesthood still kept coming up. And one evening, again, it gets directed straight at me in prayer. And I said, Lord, I've already discerned this. And your answer was no. And I heard him whisper into my heart, why are you so disobedient not to do as I've asked? Hmm. And so I went back to Father Boyle and I said, Father, I just don't understand. I so deeply want to be a husband and a father. And why would God take this from me? Hmm. And he said, good. If you didn't want those things, you would make a horrible priest. (laughs) And I said, how does that make any sense? And he said, think about it, Zach. How can you be a faithful spouse to the church? a true loving husband who lays down his life for her if you don't desire to be a husband? And how can you be a true father to God's children if you don't desire to be a father? Maybe God is calling you to be a husband and a father, but in a different way, in a spiritual way. And so from there, it took a little time. I read Archbishop Fulton Sheen's The Priest Is Not His Own and really came to better understand more deeply what is the priesthood And I think that's important for all Catholics to do. What is the priesthood and what does it mean for me? Why is Father giving his life in this way? And how does that connect with my own life? What is it it revealing to me in my own person, in my own vocation? And that vocation, ultimately, we understand our own vocation ultimately is this expression of the way in which God has called us to most intimately love him and to know him. And in that expression, to love his people well. And for me, that's that's come to be the priesthood. For others, it's the vocation of marriage. Mm-hmm. But I think all of us really need to discern, really, what is the Lord calling us to? And I think, 
young men and women out there, or maybe, I don't know, some people think I'm an older vocation. I heard that recently. (laughs) Uh, I'm just in my 30s, but okay. Uh, I think that the Lord is calling more men and women to be laborers in the vineyard than are responding. And I think that we really need to to consider the vocation in a a real way uh, and not be afraid, afraid to give you what, who better to give your life to than Jesus Christ and his church? So, so sorry. That's that's my uh, that's my my thoughts so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this man's got a lot of fervor. I love it. I love it. I'm fe- I'm, I'm literally feeding off of his his spiritual energy uh, here yeah. right now. You know, and this is one of the things that, you know, as Zach is talking, and and I probably said this to you uh, on that on the vocation retreat, and uh, obviously didn't register with you at the moment, but hopefully it planted a seed. That you know what, what I what I say to young people. Uh, I, I deal quite honestly more often with men who are discerning priesthood than I do with with young women who might be discerning religious life. Although I've had some nice conversations uh, in that realm as well. But one of the things I say is that if if you feel somewhere in your heart that God might be calling you to the priesthood or to the religious life, you know, and, and it can be just that that little mm. that God might be calling me, then you owe it to God. And you owe it to yourself to discern that. Now, for some, perhaps the discernment happens rather quickly. And the answer, you know, ends up being, no, I, I really am called to, to, you know, traditional marriage and, and, and family life in my own family. Uh, but, but for many, the discernment is, as you were saying, Zach, yes, I'm, I'm called to be a spiritual father. Yes, I'm called to be a spiritual spouse. But in that spiritual sense as a priest— and, um, you know, I, I, I think that far too many young men and women dismiss the possibility that this might be actually the vocation that God created them for. But if, but if there is that, that inkling uh, of, you know, I think, I think God might be calling me. It can be that, I don't want to say weak, but that, that subtle mm. um, then, by gosh, you know, you 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 owe it to God at least to discern that, to at least explore that, and uh, you know, and I and I probably I know I said this on the retreat because I say it on every retreat, you know, if if you're feeling that tug, you know, toward marriage and family, you know, and and, and Zach is exactly correct in, in quoting Father Boyle, mm-hmm. you know, if you would not be a good husband and father to your own family, you're not going to make a very good priest, mm-hmm. really. That's the guy we're looking for. The guy, the guy we want to be the priest is the guy who would make a terrific father and terrific husband to his own family. It's just that he's now called to, to exercise that, that desire of his heart in a different way uh, toward the, his spouse, the bride of Christ, the church, and through his spiritual children. Um, but I also say that if you feel that tug in, in sort of in both directions, you really, I know this is strong advice, but I really say you should discern the priesthood first. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if, if, if you start sort of saying, well, I'll discern marriage first, well, I can pretty much tell you where that's going to go. Because uh-huh. <laughs> that's your natural inclination. Mm-hmm. And if it's not with this woman, then it's, well, she's just not the right one. It's that one over there, you know. Whereas if you discern the priesthood first, and, and, and get that question sort of settled in your heart of, is this my call or not? Then if you do discern, no, this is not my call, I, I really do feel a call to, to what we consider traditional marriage and, and family, 
then I can then I can be at peace and move on and, and find my true vocation and no time lost, nothing lost there, but only you know, I, I always say that guys who's a guy who's gone to the seminary comes out, even if he discerns out, he comes out a better man and a better Catholic and a better disciple of Christ and will ultimately be a better fa- father and husband uh, than, than had he not gone. Yeah. I want to have Zach share a little bit because I'm just so amazed at some of his stories. But <laughs> as we take the priesthood, as we take our faith out, and we've talked on this program about evangelization in so many different contexts, but Zach, you've had a unique opportunity to do a, quote, internship in New York City <laughs> in a very Catholic cultural community. Mm-hmm. Um to be able to spend some time, but I want to ask you about your street ministry in New York City as an archdiocesan seminarian mm-hmm. for Portland. What did you learn on the streets of New York City? I think the most um, the most real thing is how profound that desire to be loved is in the heart of people. Mm-hmm. The number of people who would walk up to me and just ask for a hug or just to talk. And I found particularly, you know, I would have individuals from all walks of life, not necessarily homeless, but people who just felt unseen in this reality, having conversations with people uh, at the parish and my other my other ministry there uh, of, you know, what can we do in this world? And I said, look at somebody. You have no idea how profound looking somebody in the eyes and smiling can really be the acknowledgement of somebody's humanity that I am a person who has an identity of being accepted and loved. It can really change somebody's life. And I found that on the street walking, and, and I called it a ministry of presence, not that I was going out and, and shouting from the rooftops, do you know our Lord and Savior Jesus <laughs> Christ, but merely walking around with my rosary in hand. And if people wanted to engage me, it was on their terms. They dictated when the conversation began, when it ended, the content of it, and often, of course, because of the way that I was dressed, it was usually a religious question about what's going on in their own life or help discerning something or a moral question. Uh, I, I remember one individual, it was late at night, I, I was walking back to the church, it was raining, and this individual was walking towards me with a, a bottle of liquor in his hand, and he looked up and he saw me, and he just started sobbing, and he ran up, and he threw his arms around me before I could even understand what was going on. And he's just sobbing on my shoulder. And he said, my mother just died and I don't know what to do. Mm. And just hugging him. And I found so many people would just walk up and ask for a hug (laughs) just to be known. And so I I think that's, that was really the big takeaway in in the, 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 the dimension of an individual's life in a world where we're so separated, where we're so transfixed with technology and entertainment and instant gratification that we fail to see the person sitting across from you made in the image of God. You know, the aspect, one aspect is that we're created in his image is that we're relational beings to know one another. And, you know, technology is great and it, it, it provides an opportunity for us to, to connect in, in very different ways. But I found in my own life of just walking the streets and seeing people which has been a bit difficult coming back to Portland because there's not 8 million people walking the streets <laughs> at all hours of the night. Um, but that, that, that was a dimension of it. And, and really that people are seeking an encounter with God. Now I happen to be the schlub uh, <laughs> that they had to encounter, but there was no, they weren't looking to have a conversation with me. 
they were looking for an encounter with God, and a lot of people just didn't understand how to go about it. What what were the the terms of it? How, how does you know for us that that we we pray so often and it becomes second nature for us? We we encounter Christ at the mass weekly, maybe daily, and and people just take for we take for granted the reality of that. That some people just might not know what it is to have a conversation with God. That it's so simple that He makes Himself so available to us, and so that was um. That was beautiful to see that that in the midst of the challenges of today and the lostness of people's lives, that people really are seeking an encounter with love. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, that, that is so beautiful. It's it's funny because uh, as as we're recording this, I've just come back from uh, a, a lunch meeting in downtown Portland, mm-hmm. and was walking down the street and. Uh, I, I just I had this exact experience, Zach, as you were describing it. Is you know there were a couple of, of folks there on the street, a couple of men there, and and uh, as I passed by, you know the temptation when especially if you're trying to get somewhere, mm-hmm. is to not look, and just keep your eyes forward and just keep moving. But I, I just felt called to slow down a little bit, turn. They were off to the side a little bit, turn, look at them. Smile at them, nod at them. They they smiled back and nodded and and say, "Hey, Father," you know, mm-hmm. and uh, just that brief moment of exchange on the street. Mm-hmm. I, as you were talking, Zach, it just it struck me that yeah, it sounds pretty simple, but you acknowledge them, mm-hmm. you acknowledge that they exist, mm-hmm. you acknowledge their humanity, you acknowledge their dignity, you acknowledge that they're worthy of a look mm-hmm. and a smile and a kind a kind face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, and I, I think as you say, I think that's, you know, so many people are just looking for that. And it's ultimately mm-hmm. the, the desire for love and happiness. Yeah, yeah. I had this, uh, this moment. I was, um, I was out for my daily walk on Sunday, and I'm outside the UN, and I, I hear this, uh, this whisper coming from this person, and he says, Father. And so I started walking towards him, and I said, hello, good morning, how are you? And he prostrates himself mm. on the ground in front of me. He grabs the hem of my cassock, and he begins weeping. And as he's wiping his tears with my cassock, he begins quoting from memory the story of the hemorrhaging woman. Mm. And then as he finishes, he says, if only I touch the hem of Christ's garment, mm. God will heal me. And he just, it was this moment wow. where... I was thinking, Lord, this has nothing to do with me. This isn't my garment that he's holding to. It's you. This isn't me that he's coming to. It's you. And the faith of your son who so deeply desires to know you. And so we were there maybe 15 minutes. And as I was walking away, I just heard the Lord whisper into my heart, this is the priesthood. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, you know, as we begin a new year, there is so much hunger. There's so mm. much desire for people to just be noticed, to know that they're loved. And I think, Archbishop, as you've started to launch this video series, it's about this, who am I? Whose mm. am I? Why was I made? What am I made for? Mm-hmm. And it's about love. It's about God's love. But if we don't know that. So our invitation is to be that God's love. Mm today you know the, I, we live in a very uh, you know no that's just I, i'm sure every 
age maybe can say that of itself. But I, I think we are living in a particularly difficult time. Uh, we're living in a very fractured world. Um, there's so much division. Um, and there are a lot of just really hurt and wounded people uh, out there. I like to. I, I think I use the uh, expression in my uh, homily at, at Christmas Mass. The wa- I call the walking wounded. Mm. There's so many walking wounded out there, people who are just hurting so deeply, and they don't know where to take that. They don't know how to to, to deal with it even. Um, you know, and that's why I, I love uh, actually Pope Francis's image of the church as the field hospital. You know that that we're out there on on the battlefield of life, you know where people are are struggling and and battling so many things, um, and the church is supposed to be there, you know to be to be the field hospital, the place where they come to have their wounds bound up, mm-hmm. to receive uh, the medicine of God's love uh, and and the healing that only Jesus can bring us. You know, and I think in the priesthood, in in particular, is is an expression of that. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ is 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 the healer. Mm-hmm. He is the healer, and uh, he, he himself said, "You know, uh, healthy people don't need a, a, a doctor. Sick people do. Mm-hmm. That's who I've come for. I've come for the sick, and and that can certainly He's come to free us from the from the illness and the sickness of our sinfulness, and 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 the the darkest of of, of things that we fear, death itself." But there's so many areas of healing that Jesus wants to bring uh, to people's lives, and He brings that to, uh, to them through through His church, through His beloved bride, the church, and in a particular way through those, uh, as Zach is preparing to be ordained, and those of us already ordained, uh, in a particular way through those that He configures to Himself. Mm-hmm. You know, Zach, your I think your your insight there. And that encounter on the street that you just described of, of the man clinging to the, the, the hem of your cassock, the, in, the realization you had, this isn't me, mm-hmm. that, that this man is searching for. It's not me that he's clinging to. He's trying to cling to Christ. Yeah. But I represent that. Mm-hmm. I rep- that's, that's, that's so powerful. Right. Uh, uh, and that's, to me, that's the joy and, and the heart of the priesthood yeah. is to know that it isn't you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all humility, it's not me. It's Jesus in me right now ministering to this person. I think that every time I lay my hands on somebody during the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, mm-hmm. it's not me laying hands on this sick person. It's Jesus in and through me laying his His loving, healing hands on this person. I just want to encourage our listeners to continue to pray for our seminarians as they continue to go further and further into their vocation and continue to fall into the arms of Jesus Christ. Continue to pray for our priests and for our bishops, particularly Archbishop. We want to pray for you. Pray that God send me more men to join with me yes. in this great work that Jesus has given to his church, and women too, to, 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 to minister in the religious life. But, but in particular, selfishly as the archbishop, I need lots of help. And we guys, if, if you guys are out there and you're listening, and if the Lord is stirring in your heart right now and making you feel a little uncomfortable, pay mm-hmm. attention. Uh, that could be his, his gentle prod for you to, to consider that uh, you give your life to him in this way. Yeah. Zach, thank you for joining us, spending a little bit of time. I am looking forward to hearing more stories from you in the future. So God's blessings on your vocation. With that, Archbishop, would you please help us close with your blessing? May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.
And thank you all for joining us on this episode of The Voice of the Shepherd. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie. Until our next encounter, may God bless you and have a happy new year. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.